Hello and welcome. That's good though, I like that. Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of Total Pod Mode. My name is Will. Yeah, now you just go normally. <laughs> my name is Helen Mirren. And I'm, you little and I'm joined here by my good friend, co-host and fellow gaming enthusiast, James. What's cracking, you stupendously spooky squirrels? How you been getting on this week, man? Hope things are good with you. Still feeling the Halloween spooky vibes? You know it, bro. Can't stop staring at that pumpkin I carved with you last week. It's really giving out them spooky vibes, you know? Yeah, I had a great time carving those with you last week. Those knives were sharp, though, right? Yeah, like really sharp. I've got to say, though, man, I thought it was overkill when you busted that cleaver out. Well, I was going for the whole Halloween thing, you know? Creepy mask guy with a cleaver. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. But still, you know, probably not the best tool for pumpkin carving, if we're being honest. And let's be real, that mask was at best unnecessary and at worst incredibly dangerous. Well, yes, I do admit that now. Oh, fuck, what is that? I might have had an accident when we were in the middle of carving last week. And I was meaning to ask last week why you started breathing really deeply and, and maybe even crying a little bit. It did seem like a bit of an overreaction to f***ing up your pumpkin at the time. Well, no, yeah, it was actually my hand that I f***ed up. Oh, shit, man, I had no idea. Oh, go on, guess a look. It's not too bad, man. Just got to get this tape off and... Whoops. Well, uh, the last time I looked at that, it was still attached. Holy shit, man, are you okay? I mean, I do feel okay. It does sting quite a bit, but it stopped hurting so much when it changed colour. Like this, see? Oh god, what the f*** is that smell? And how is it still bleeding so much? I'm glad you asked, James. Obviously, bleeding this much constantly throughout the week has been quite problematic. Yeah, I can imagine. I can see you've got yourself a nice bucket there. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. i got the old blood bucket. And my tubes. MacGyver, baby! I've got to say, man, this is some pretty concerning stuff. I mean, there's a lot of blood in that bucket. Like, a lot of blood in that bucket already. Are you sure you're okay to do the recording? Uh, don't worry about that, man. It's not all my blood in there. I mean, that's not a good thing. Ooh. To be fair, I'm starting to feel a little bit woozy. I mean, I can't say I'm surprised, man. You've been looking paler than an anemic ghost since we started recording. <laughs> yeah. No. I'll just be... back in a minute. Will? Will? Oh, jeez. Where did he leave those bath salts? Uh, uh just smelling salts. Uh, uh, ah. Here you go, buddy. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. Give me another hit of those smelling salts, man. I think you've had enough of that, don't you, mate? Ah, oh, dearie me. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And whilst you're there, you can also find me on Twitter at MrBames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash MrBames underscore TPM. 
Okay, James, well, as you and the listeners know, I've been busy with the Pokemon challenge that you set me last week, so why don't you hit us up with what you've been up to this week? So, it's been one of those weeks where I've been flitting around a bit, playing like an hour of this here, an hour of this there. I'll, I'll talk about a couple of things. So, I, I played a little bit of Lord of the Rings Shadow of Mordor, okay, which okay, is... Uh, yes. A game I've never finished, but I've started many times. For those that may not have played it before, it's a role-play game slash beat 'em up, I suppose. It's not really role-play in the sense of you have a class and then you level up stats and that, but you do have, you know, there's a skill tree. You can put runes in your weapons to give you additional abilities and things like that. If you're a fan of the Assassin's Creed titles, Batman Arkham City titles... Particularly the Batman Arkham City titles... Yeah, the combat very much borrows from that. Batman also factors in the stealth assassinations, but I think that they work a little bit more similarly to Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. And there's quite a large aspect of sort of free running around, whereas you sort of tend to be using your grappling hook and gliding in Batman, whereas Assassin's Creed is a bit more of a free running parkour sort of thing. You can climb up basically anything in Shadows of Mordor. Yeah, it's quite smooth as well, isn't it? It's not as quite as good as Assassin's Creed, but it's uh, it's still pretty decent. Oh yeah, and you have to press way too many buttons to let go of things. It annoys me. And you have to press B to jump down on something as opposed to just holding down to go to the bottom, and that's really irritating. But I digress. Um, played a little bit of that, uh, and you know, it's good fun. But I just I can never find myself playing more than a couple of hours at a time for some reason. I don't know why. I love Lord of the Rings. I love the you know the whole aesthetic of it. I love the fantasy elements love the nemesis system yeah that's kind of one of those things that's unique to warner bros games at the moment they've, they've patented it essentially so no one else can use it i don't even know if it's just warner bros i think it's just the lord of the rings isn't it although assassin's creed odyssey kind of has it sort of there, there are variations on it there's there's takes on it like you could even perhaps argue that metal gear solid phantom pain has elements of it because the bases that you're infiltrating adapt to your approach in terms of you know yeah. if you're sniping a lot of guards will get helmets if you're sneaking in underground they'll start blocking off the holes and things yeah, like yeah. that so they've got like takes on it but it's i guess safely differentiated enough for the patent to not take effect sort of thing but i have heard that they're planning on implementing it in the upcoming wonder woman game which warner bros are either in charge of publishing or producing. Didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a route, well, uh, an all-but-confirmed, or potentially even just confirmed, Wonder Woman game coming out. Oh, there you go. Uh, there the is, the is, you know, the hearsay is they're going to finally crack out the Nemesis system, which I think, to be honest with you, is going to be, is going to probably generate quite a lot of interest in that title. Because it seems like Warner Bros. have control of it, they're not letting anyone else have it, and they're not even licensing other studios to use it in their titles, so they're kind of holding on to this treasure trove of a really sick game concept. Yeah, so long as they don't waste it, that's all I'd say. It works really well in the Lord of the Rings games. I don't know enough about Wonder Woman to know whether it would work well in that. All I know about her is she's got an invisible plane. <laughs> is that even Wonder Woman? I think it is. Uh, I'm I'm not too sure about the uh, the Wonder Woman law though. To be honest, yeah. either. I, I mean, I, she has a, a whip of truth, I believe, that she can tie people up with and make them tell the truth. I think that's the same person. I think I feel like she's got an invisible plane. It might just be a meme though. I'm not sure. Pretty sure it's in Family Guy. So maybe it's not true. Superman flying alongside and she's like on the toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I couldn't help but notice you didn't wash your hands in the invisible sink. But no, so I played a bit of that. It's good fun for a bit. It's not massively exciting. I don't know. I just don't find it massively exciting. The story's okay. The concept's really cool, but the story's mm -hmm. just very okay. It plays nicely. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I don't find particularly any of the characters in the campaign particularly interesting or enjoyable to hang around with or whatever. The cutscenes are all pretty standard, and that's that seems continuous. But I haven't got into Mordor yet or anything like that. 
without giving you too much information, there's a lot more stuff for you to see. So I think the game really opens up after the sort of four or five hour mark. That's where I'm at. Five hours twenty. I've I'm I've defeated. I think it'll probably open up once I've defeated the four war chiefs. You, I th- I'm pretty sure you're right. Yes, I think you're right there that they that it comes in after that. But th- there, there's some really cool abilities that you've still yet to unlock, and they aren't something that you'll be aware of unless we've spoken about it before. But keep drilling away. You'll find some stuff that will justify the elements that we were talking about there, like the slightly shitty, uninspired campaign kind of thing. And it's really weird because it has all these elements of having loads of sick... You know, uh, the character that you play, I can't remember his name. Italian. He's kind of a a ranger, like Aragorn is. He's an Aragorn ripoff, in my opinion, yeah. Because, yeah, because he is. Because he is a man of oh, Numenor. Yeah. He's, a, he's a ranger. So, I mean, th- that's that's what they look like, sort of thing. So, so that's awesome. Also, Celebrimbor's in it. Uh, you know, who, like, early first five minutes of the game, spoilers, Talion becomes possessed by Celebrimbor. The power of Christ compels you! And Celebrimbor's lore is that he was actually the crafter of the uh, of the rings, sort of thing, or at least uh, the one ring. No, he forged the rings of power. I think that's part of the storyline, yeah. It's just weird that they managed to make such a, a weird, dry experience out of it, considering the kind of the big names in terms of the franchise that they're pulling out and pulling for here. Yeah. Some strong pulls, but the storyline is still very uninspired. Yeah, although while we're talking about the first five minutes of the game, I'll give a props to the tutorial bit. The way it teaches you the sneak mechanic. Yeah, where you sneak up on your wife and like give her flowers and a hug. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> Put your hand over her mouth and bring all the flowers to her neck. <laughs> yeah. You want these fucking flowers? <laughs> And and also, what did you think of the jumping in between segments? Because I thought that was also quite clever as well. I thought that was really nicely done, yeah. Sort yeah. of, you're, you're fighting the battle, then it takes you to a flashback of, like, you and your son or whatever fighting and training, and then you're back there on the ramparts actually killing orcs and shit. I, that, that was cool when it did, how I did that. Yeah. But the story hasn't really done anything cool since then, really. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not it's not the worst story I've ever played in my life, but it's just quite uninspiring. And as I say, it makes it a very piecemeal game for me to play. But I'm going to crack on because I do want to finish. I want to play the next one, basically. I don't always do this, but where I can, I like to, if I've got a series of games, I like to try and play them in order so that I know what's going on. Because I think it is Talion again in the second one, right? It is, yes. And, and Celebrimbor, to my understanding. Yeah, Shadow of War, the second one, right? Shadow of War, that's it, the second title, yeah. So no, so I want to get through it and uh, get to that. But no, so as I say, I, I've played maybe an hour of that this week. And really the only other thing that I'll talk about, because it released today on the, at the time of recording, is I played a little bit of uh, PGA Tour 2K23. New golf game, Ooh. baby. Exciting, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, it's not something we've talked about before, but I'm certainly myself not a huge fan or follower of golf. Um, you know, nothing against the the game but uh just not uh, something that i particularly followed i do know that you're quite a bit of a golf follower yourself yep, for my sins yep yeah <laughs> so do tell what's the uh, gameplay like the two here? games that are probably best to compare it to are the golf club 2019 and pga tour 2k21 which was the last one in the franchise and i don't i think they missed 22 out for some reason okay i mean i noticed there that you didn't mention golf with friends but okay. i haven't played golf with friends Oh, there you go. Well, that's the real golf Because as I mentioned last week, Will, I haven't got many friends, man. <laughs> but no, so compared to those, it's um, similar fare. It's HB Studios still, so it's the same studio that's making made them all. 
but this version I, again i haven't played too much of it because it only came out today and i really only had a couple of hours when i got home so i, I played a little bit but it seems to be taking on a lot more of the 2k style uh, particularly some aspects from the nba titles in terms of um there's there's almost sort of a skill tree on some of your golf shots it seems um really? which is kind of odd and the whilst i haven't gone into it yet because i basically spent my whole time practicing my swing because i'm an mm. idiot and i decided to play it in pro settings straight away because i've played loads of golf games so i should be good right not how it went down listeners but i'll get there it seems like the my career is going to have a lot of interesting things in it you know they've had rivalries with pga tour players in the last one can you start some shit with tiger woods can you call him out for his uh, infidelity it's ea sports tiger woods pga tour 11 for xbox interesting you mentioned that though because one of the things i was going to say is i think this is the first time we've got tiger woods in a golf game since the tiger woods golf games um but yeah so that's kind of exciting the last time i remember seeing tiger woods in a golf game was probably 2013 or 14 maybe 2015 something like that so that's kind of right, cool. Right. But as I say, until I get more into the career mode, I won't really know how exactly how that's going to work. I know that he, I imagine he'll be the top rival that you can get because they, they have like tiered rivalries. You beat one person, you move on to the next person. So no, it's pretty cool. It's nice to see him involved again. I, I don't know the full roster of pros in this one. I know there's men and women's pros in this, this one this time. In 2K21, there was only male pros that I remember. Right, right. This is one for the golf fans, so you probably cut it, but it'll be interesting seeing if the old live players make it. But no, gameplay seems fine. I, I'll need to get used to the swings and stuff, is because even though they're all the same mechanics, they're all different. You know how it is, it just has a different feel. Putting, chipping. The putting's fine, actually. The putting seems quite similar. It's um, the swing pace compared to the. I've been playing the Golf Club 2019 most recently, and the swing pacing's different. So I need to get used to that and. Is it just new timing or something? Yeah, different timing, different animations. So I don't quite know what I'm doing yet. But no, it seems really cool, man. It's uh, I love me a golf game and I think this one's going to be great. I can't wait to get more into it. Unfortunately, that's all the insight I have at this time, though. Well, I've got a few questions. Oh, go for it, man. Uh, so, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, I'm not a particularly huge golf fan. I think the last Tiger Woods game that I played was back on the PlayStation 1. Uh, so that gives, and it was a demo. Well, shout out to Tiger Woods 2004, because that game was banging. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, I, I want to know, can you drive a golf cart? Uh, I'm not sure. In previous ones, you couldn't, but you do have a caddy in this one, which I've never seen before. Okay. So who knows, man, maybe. Can you treat your caddy like can you hey. hit golf balls at your cat? In the my career mode, who knows? You're going to get put in the newspaper for cheating on your wife and abusing your stuff. Oh, if, man, if it's got that sort of RPG element style too, I, I'd love that. And honestly, knowing what the basketball 2K careers have done, there could be shit like that in there. I mean, I doubt you'll be able to cheat on your <laughs> wife, don't get me wrong, but... Oh, but man. could you have interviews where you say derogatory things about people to stoke a rivalry? Potentially, I don't know. Yeah, it's the sort of yeah. thing that could be in there, man. Like uh, this is what I mean. I need to explore the my career a bit more. And the other thing is, uh, I'm just interested in the free element of PGA 2K23. Can you hit a golf ball into the crowd? Yes. Can you fucking nail a dude in the face and get penalties? I don't think you get penalty. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think you get a penalty for it, man. In the old ones, you could definitely hit it into the crowd, but you didn't actually see it hit anyone. It just sort of they just sort of go, oh. <laughs> no, I need to see you take a motherfucker down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see because the graphics are lovely, right? The animations are good. It's still got the whole janky chubby face thing when you'll create a character but that's fine so it'd be interesting to Ooh. see maybe you can create a character eh and what's this like uh you you would not be impressed am i gonna be sad yeah do you do you just pick from like a template sort of thing? uh you have a little bit more customization than that but oh, i'll tell you actually one thing that is infuriating right 
It doesn't have cock size sliders. No cock sliders. Oh, well no titty sliders. It didn't create a female, so don't know. But probably not. Uh, <laughs> they could be titty sliders. Pro- probably okay. not, though. <laughs> but the last two titles have had um, a man bum, right? And this one doesn't. For context, uh, I have a top knot. I know. I'm the worst, <laughs> right? They don't have it in this one, so I've just had to go on long and loose, which is it's fine, but it's a bit of a shame might be DLC later. And really the final thing I say about this is uh, because I pre-ordered it, I got a Michael Jordan bonus pack so I can play as Michael Jordan if I want, which is kind of cool. Is that some sort of tie into the NBA 2K games that you play? Or? I can only imagine it must be. And and Michael Jordan is an avid golfer, to be fair, as well. But Oh, he is? Oh, right, yeah. okay. And he is, I think he's mates with Tiger Woods in real life. Like They used to play together and stuff. Uh, he was already pre-scanned into the game. They just needed to slap him in some golf gear and he was good to go. Well, yeah, literally NBA 2K23, the special edition this year is the Michael Jordan edition. So it probably is already They had just the fact that they had the character model already. Right, so yeah. you're probably absolutely correct. The assets were there. <laughs> exactly, the assets were there. Stick him in a polo and a pair of trousers, saw it. Uh, I think he wears shorts. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go, just recolor the yeah. shorts. And he's got a little bucket hat. <laughs> yeah so yeah but yeah that's yeah, it's kind of weird that he's wearing high tops but uh <laughs> yeah and why has he got a chicago bulls top on <laughs> <laughs> but no so yeah that's so that's really uh all i've done of note i mean you know a little bit of this a little bit of that elsewhere shout out to idle champions of the forgotten realms nice little clicker game that's about the other thing that's going to be playing <laughs> Okay, James, uh, so I think that's enough of the catch-up this week. Why don't we move on to some current gaming news? So this week, on the NME website in gaming news, the Dead Space remake developers don't want to offend hardcore fans. Philippe Ducharme, senior producer at EA Motive, has shared that the team tasked with remaking Dead Space wanted to avoid doing anything that would offend hardcore fans of the game. That concern led to Motive forming the Community Council, in which Dead Space fans were invited to have a say in the remake's development. I've got to say, the Community Council does slightly sound like something, uh, like the cult that was formed around the marker from the Dead Space games. I don't know whether that's intentional or not, but it does sound kind of like a uh, extra branch of the now defunct Unitologist cult from the Dead Space series. Somewhat sinister. Yeah, or it sounds like they have no authority at all. <laughs> like parish officers and things like that. <laughs> no authority at all. So, the concerns around doing anything to offend the hardcore fans of the series led to Motive forming the Community Council. Ducharme explains that the council helps to keep us honest and have that sounding board, and added that it helps to keep the team from falling into an echo chamber. So, uh, yeah, this sounds like a kind of an attempt to reassure people that this thing is in good hands. They're clearly trying to show that they're going to do a good job of this game by sort of involving fans of the previous series. It sounds like they're marketing this one heavily towards previous fans of the series, and I haven't seen too much to suggest that they're looking to add parts of the game to sort of bring in newcomers either. I think that this is a game that, you know, we have talked previously on multiple episodes now about remakes and unnecessary remasters and things like that. I think this is one of those ones where if you actually go back and play Dead Space, that it still looks fine. Uh, Obviously, it's not quite as polished as something like Horizon Zero Dawn, but it's still absolutely passable. It's one of those games, much like the Silent 
Silent Hill games where they use darkness, they really use lighting and things like that, that make a huge difference to games, and provided that it's done well, they kind of give them a certain timeless feel and actually conceal a lot of the older graphic flaws and things like that, lower resolution textures and things like that. It also allows the console to be processing less information at once by concealing stuff in darkness. It doesn't need to then render things as clearly. and Just things like that. It's the same sort of old techniques they used in Silent Hill. Yeah, I mean, I know that you're... I don't want to say are, because I don't know if you still are, but you certainly were a massive fan of this franchise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I recognise the, the flaws of the third game. The first game is probably the best one, yeah, I think. Yeah. And that is the only one I've played to any sort of degree. And so whilst I, I don't know too much about it, I know I, you are absolutely correct when you say that lighting's used to great effect. It's From what I remember, it's very rare to have a huge swarm of enemies on you at any one point. It's typically, I think, three or four at most was what I saw. For the most part, you occasionally have to fight waves of enemies, but yeah. as you say, they're in threes and fours, you know. Yeah, I think uh, there was one yeah. mission where we were like in a lift or something and things kept crawling out the wall and... Sounds about right. Along with everything else you've mentioned there, which to be honest sounds quite good to hear from a game studio it's like we're remaking this game and we don't want to piss off the guys that made this game successful the original fans so we're getting them involved that's awesome and if they're doing this as well then sounds like a win it's nice to hear studios actually listening to the fans occasionally probably not something that i'm hugely interested in picking up um but i know that it's a popular game and i respect it immensely so that's great to hear I have actually seen some side-by-side -side footage and comparisons between the two games. And, you know, although I did just say that the original Dead Space looks perfectly fine now, the increase in graphical fidelity and the sort of the modern day bells and whistles that they have in terms of ray tracing, it appears, and things like that, you can tell it absolutely makes a huge difference. It does feel yeah. like you're playing a game that uh, truly has been remastered at least from the uh the perception i've got from the footage that i've seen so far well ray tracing would add a lot to that game they had a lot of fancy effects and things like that previously it was those things that actually you know as we were kind of saying made the graphics better just things like the fact that your torch in the game wasn't actually a torch it was oh i think this was more a thing perhaps in the second game but it might have been in the first game as well you just had the light that was emitting from your visor and that would then cast onto the environment and enable you to see in the dark Didn't you have a light on your back as well that was your health bar, exactly. Yeah. There was no HUD on the game. Your health bar was represented by a tube that ran along your spine. That was cool. Your yeah. kind of mana was, you know, represented by another sort of semicircle on your back. And even your inventory and things like that was like a display that was hollow projected in front of you. There was no actual HUD in the game. It was all all represented by sort of physical displays that would appear in front of the protagonist sort of thing to keep you immersed. It was really, really cleverly done. Yeah, no, I agree. So all of those things, if they maintain all that, we're golden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds like they're probably looking to do that. So fingers crossed, man. Do you think you'll pick it up as a longtime fan of the series? No doubt. Yeah, I will definitely be picking this one up. I'm uh, not in a huge, huge rush to pick it up just yet. My hype hasn't quite peaked to the point where I am considering a day one purchase or pre-ordering it or anything like that. Um, you know, I might be more inspired to do that if it was made by a smaller studio. But typically with a, you know an EA title like that, I'm not yeah. really looking to you know jump on it straight away. I'll wait till we hear some reviews and things like that. I'll probably sleep on this one for a while until I see it on sale. You know, I'm, I'm probably more likely to actually just for and gigs go back and play the first one so i've actually got a fairly recent comparison in my mind between the two oh, but if you don't pre-order it mate you'll miss out on that that lovely custom skin that only the pre-orders will thing. get that probably look like as well right <laughs> i am 99 percent sure that there's going to be some sort of pre-order bonus i mean they'd, they'd already started to do that with dead space 2 in dead space 3 um it became worse in dead space 3 i think they were having pre-order bonuses 
In other gaming news, on Kotaku, Elden Ring gets a major update. Ooh. Ooh, indeed. Yeah. Uh, so this DLC introduces separate balancing of the player versus player and single player main game. Ooh, colour me intrigued. So there's now actually separate damage scaling for weapons, Ashes of War, which are your sort of abilities, and spells when playing in PvP compared to the campaign. You know, a pretty clear benefit there. You sort of get to continue playing your completely overpowered, broken builds in the main game, but then you don't go online and absolutely rinse people there and it feels unfair. I'm very curious to hear how that works. Well, I assume it literally just applies in the same way that scaling will literally just alter Scaling will just suddenly work different when you connect to an online session whenever you get summoned or are summoned into someone else's world or someone comes into your world. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that, in all honesty. I'm not a PvP player, though, so it doesn't really affect me. But No, I mean, personally, I think it's great because one of the concerns that I've always had with Elden Ring is due to its popularity and the online community that it's now got following it, which seems to be, or at least at the time, in and around its release, seem to be much larger than the Souls community. Uh, you know, and it was yeah. also bolstered by existing Souls community people. There was a lot of people that were kind of recommending almost like a live service approach to this game. And it was, you know, just seeing that sort of thing, I always found slightly concerning just in case someone from FromSoft is uh, is listening. To them, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because I would hate to think that uh, they sort of, they start to pursue that and start to overly worry about balancing certain playstyles and things purely in favour of PvP. Because I do think that the single player game would suffer as, as a result. I, I like like the fact that it's possible to purely number crush in an RPG and actually build something that's massively overpowered using yeah. the tools that the game gives I you. I agree with I that. I think it would be sad to kind of exclude that for the pure purpose of what I assume is the relatively smaller community of Souls players that actually, you know, really go in for the PvP. Yeah, but I guess my, my counterpoint to that would be why does it need to be nerfed in PvP? Now, I don't get me wrong, I know that there's the people that just use that blood one. Every f***er is using rivers of blood, yeah. and it drives you mad. It's like what, So learn how to avoid it instead of nerfing it. That's my point. I mean, it, I don't want to say get grid scrub, but I, I understand it for people that it will put people off with, the, you know, people just doing that constantly. And obviously you will get people who lose just because people spam it. I do get that. But at the same time, it's... You know, was that really that necessary? I mean, I've not been in PvP in Elden Ring, so I don't know. But, you know, surely that you learn how to avoid it in the much the same way with a boss fight I'm not going to mention because you haven't done it yet. <laughs> All but right. there's a move, a certain move. Anyone, any listeners who have completed Elden Ring know exactly what move I'm talking about. That is effectively a spam move in a similar vein to that. Doesn't cause bleed when the boss in question does it, but you learn how to avoid it, and that's part of the satisfaction of winning. I don't see why you'd mm. want to take that satisfaction away from people in PvP too. And maybe that's just me being completely naive because I don't play that much PvP. But on the face of it, it sounds like a good idea. But I, I something about it. I don't want to say it doesn't sit right with me because that's a bit unfair. But I don't know. I just I don't know how I feel about this. It's confusing. I mean, I guess my main takeaway is is that I just purely see the benefit for the single player, and I agree with you. I don't have much of a take on it beyond that. It sounds to me like the single player is going to be basically unchanged, though, right? So it, if it's purely affecting PvP, then maybe there is an outcry for it to needing to be done that I'm not aware of because I'm just not part of that community. But I would have thought that a lot of the satisfaction of winning PvP battles comes from learning the moves and then learning how to dodge them. And then if you do get a spammer who just spams it, being able to kick their ass because you've learned the move and you've learned how to avoid it is way more more satisfying than if they nerf it right surely 
I agree with you, and I think that that would be a much more valid point if the netcode for Elden Ring and Dark Souls wasn't complete ass, and actually, <laughs> like, proper timing of moves was actually, you know, consistent and relevant, but... That's the point that I hadn't considered, actually, man. The lag. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's That actually changes the argument quite a lot, actually. The smoothness of the PvP that I've experienced so far is not great. A lot of the reason why I don't play PvP is because I regularly encounter things like clearly being out of range of someone's sword swing, you know, like two or three feet out of the way of someone's sword swing. But because of the shitty netcode, the connections and things like that, I still get hit. I'll get hit by a stab move that's very far away from me. And it's that kind of thing. And if someone is spamming rivers of blood and you can't really actually, because even if you do dodge it, it's not actually on their end when you're supposed to dodge it due to network issues. Do you know what, man? That is, I didn't consider that when I made my point just now. That is actually incredibly fair because for every, anyone's benefit who hasn't played the game, Rivers of Blood has an obscene range on it, and it's and it's it's not quite an area of effect, but it's it's there's a lot going on in that. It may as well be, and it, it gives you the bleeding effect, which drains your health, right? Very swimmable indeed, like quite low FP cost. I think that is actually a great point, and that actually has made me change my mind on the spot. You're you're quite right with lag. I think that's very fair point. if my point stands if everything run perfectly smoothly real time lovely but based on what you've just said that's actually an incredibly fair point that would ruin it for some people because i've played dark souls 3 pvp probably the most of any of them and like you say there are times when i've clearly hit someone clearly like it's, this isn't me being a bitter gamer i've clearly hit someone and they don't get damaged and likewise i've clearly been missed on my screen this is and then you take damage yeah. And, I, and I can't imagine that with with rain of uh, rain of blood. Dun, 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 I can't imagine that with uh, rivers of blood. You've you've swung me straight away. Yeah. One thing that's going to be interesting and kind of in relation to that, this isn't the only thing that's been updated. They've also actually changed the FP requirement for people who aren't familiar with the Elden Ring series. Uh, FP is essentially mana. focus points. Is that, uh, is that what FP stands for? Fucking powers. Suddenly, wizards are going to be able to get off a load more spells before running out of their magic stats. Shout out to George. He's currently running a magic build, I think. I, I, I see him all the time. I think he's it. running a magic dex build, if I remember correctly. Also, as part of that update as well, uh, there is an absolute slew of balancing and adjustments to weapons, spells, and abilities. Far too many to list here, but there is sort of like a long list available if you uh, have a quick stroll down Google. Eh? Yeah. Other search engines are available. So, also from Kotaku in Elden Ring news, Lance McDonald, famous for the Bloodborne 60 FPS patch and also notorious game legend. hacker, absolute legend, Lance McDonald reported the discovery of two new map references in the latest update files for the game. The thinking amongst some fans is that this is paving the way for the game's first downloadable content, which would presumably add new locations. Since the update has rolled out, data miners have been poring over the files and finding more and more assets, if not potentially more clues about where the DLC could lead. Also, addition of files related to the long-closed Colosseums. Data miners have managed to clip inside the Colosseum following the update and have found signs that suggest time travel could be possible and revisiting when the Colosseums were actually used and open as well as a legacy dungeon and some other subtle map changes particularly around the I think they call like the, the divine towers so that's quite an interesting prospect it always seemed to me like quite a, an odd thing that they were included all over the map and yet they weren't accessible through speaking with friends of ours I have come to the assumption quite some time ago that this was going to open up and be part of the DLC or at least it's definitely something we'd speculated and absolutely hopeful. 
So how are you feeling about the prospect of that? It could be some gladiatorial arenas and things. I'm very interested to see what they do with it in terms of DLC. Because I always thought it might be some sort of PvP related battle arena type jobby. Maybe maybe even seeing team combat for the first time in a Souls game that I can think of. Although given what we've mentioned about netcode, it, it That's the really, thing, right? <laughs> you know, they, yeah, it needs because some tweaking, the, the but, thing with yeah. um, Elden Ring multiplayer of any sort of description is the fact that it's such a big open world. It does lead to issues in terms of traversal and getting around places potentially. So having some sort of big old coliseum where a bunch of people could jump in and about that seems like a good idea right but that's getting a bit of away from the question at hand in terms of what do i think about this for dlc i'm excited to see what dlc they do man typically souls games dlc is excellent uh, i'm going to give a special mention to the old hunter dlc and bloodborne because that is just an absolute masterpiece i'm struggling to, th- to envisage what they could possibly do outside of creating new additional dungeons as has potentially been mentioned there by Sekiro doobie i don't know that coliseums are gonna give too much more content if that makes sense i mean the time traveling aspect sounds cool you might be able to go back and fight for example radan before he became the monstrosity he is when you fight him right because he was a world famous general before that you might be able mm, to fight yeah. some other people that are part of the story that i don't want to mention because you haven't got to the boss fights yet no spoilers please but you might be able to fight some of them before they were what they are when you fight them so that could be really cool so yeah. color me intrigued but i'm i'm gonna with, withhold a lot of judgment for the time being until we know more i think but i'm obviously excited for an Elden ring dlc because FromSoft dlcs are excellent of course i mean yeah i think this is definitely not the time to be passing any sort of judgment on the dlc this is clearly as i mentioned information that's been sort of discovered by data miners based on an update that is primarily focused on patching the game for pvp and and main campaign balancing as opposed to any sort of real actual uh, tangible content yeah. that you'll actually be able to see in the game so it'll be interesting to see when we actually do see an announcement you know can we expect now that this information has been found and it's pretty much all been but confirmed that this is coming then how long will it be how long will miyazaki make us wait next up in the gaming news competitive gaming will not be a medal event in the 2026 commonwealth games after a surprise u-turn the bbc reports esports was a pilot event at the 2022 birmingham games co-founded by the commonwealth games federation or the cgf and the global esports federation the gef and the cgf called this a success with its president saying she expected it to be included going forward but the organizers of the 2026 games in victoria australia say esports will not feature. Despite numerous requests from the BBC, the CGF and the GEF, the 2026 Commonwealth Games Organising Committee refused to give any specific reasons for the U-turn. One person close to the discussions said doping in esports may have been a factor with concerns that arranging year-round drugs testing across various gaming titles could be proved problematic. Doping in esports, eh? Yeah, well, uh, so yeah, I mean, there's actually, this is following some fairly high profile cases of esports performers taking uh, performance enhancing drugs such as Adderall and <laughs> and things like that to uh, really, I suppose, support their reflexes and awareness. Right, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, it makes sense, I guess, yeah. Another insider commented that doping could have been a factor, but there was also a lot of general resistance to esports from more traditional older members of the Games Nation groups. A 2026 Commonwealth Games Organising Committee spokeswoman said, while they weren't successful this time, the Commonwealth Games Federation and Global Esports Federation will keep working on an inclusion pathway for this growing sport. Do you have any takes on that, James? Uh, It's an interesting one, man, because there's a part of me that doesn't think esports should be in the Commonwealth Games, if I'm honest. But then there's another part 
part of me that I fucking love esports, right? So why am I saying that? But I don't think there's anything wrong with just having your own games that aren't the Commonwealth thing. I don't know where there needs to be necessarily an inclusion in the Commonwealth games. Why not have your a standalone tournament like they do already? Popularizing it more and making it more appeal more to the masses, I guess. But I don't know. I just I, I I'd like to see the demographic of people that are going to watch a couple of people pole vaulting. That's very disrespectful. But a couple of people pole vaulting, moving on to some swimming, and then jump into the FIFA tournament. You know, maybe I'm being a complete dickhead about it because I mean I like all of those things, right? Well, maybe. Not not pole vaulting but i certainly find it funny that doping's a thing in esports i mean uh, it makes sense now you've said it but once a kid's cranked up on goddamn adderalls yeah. and pro plus <laughs> it is a slightly confusing decision to introduce it at the birmingham games but then not include it for the games following up in 2026 yeah, i think i think the surprising thing about it regardless of anyone's opinion on it is the sudden u-turn that's probably the interesting one particularly when there's still yeah. four years to go right Mm. So surely mm. any concerns they have could potentially be quashed whilst the organization still carries on. And then, I mean, again, I don't know the money that goes into these things, really. So maybe it's a case of, oh, we don't want to risk the budget here because there's going to be loads of drug cheats. And it's like, well, get rigorous testing, I suppose. But then you've, you've mentioned there that concerns with the year-round drugs test arrangements are what has sort of sparked this. But surely you just put everyone on random drugs tests like they do with athletes? I mean, I, I don't know. You would think, I don't know, perhaps the performance enhancing drugs that they're taking for more cognitive enhancements and things don't show up on tests within the same time frames as something that would be physically performance enhancing. I, I you know, no idea. And without knowing too much about Adderall, I don't suspect you're taking it on a weekly basis to keep a certain level of, you know, in the case of steroids, for example, you keep a certain level of testosterone in your body, right? To improve your performance and your recovery over time. I Correct me if I'm wrong, but Adderall, do you just like spry a couple of pills before you go out? And play and it keeps you calm i mean is that how it works I- well i think it sort of has different effects for different people and particularly people that use it for medicinal purposes it has different effects than people that would use it for recreational yeah. or performance enhancing purposes as well so i it's, it's a real mixed bag there i guess it works for some and again without knowing too much about it but the simple solution would be drugs test everyone on the day <laughs> right yeah yeah i don't know how how yeah. difficult testing is to do but yeah if it is a case of you take it and then it's in your system for let's say 24 hours just for the sake of argument you don't need year-round testing right so why is that even a concern i highly doubt people are going to be you know taking a bunch of banned substances on the you know wasada fucking list for esports right mm. you're not going to be taking beta blockers to you know keep your anaerobic fitness up higher during an esports thing right i i, I mean who knows <laughs> I mean, I know these guys sort of keep physically fit, but I don't know how much it contributes into that level of uh, peak physical fitness. And that's the thing, right? Without knowing an, uh, more detail about how prolific the problem is and the struggles with detection and things like that, it's hard for me to comment much more than I have, really. Interesting, though. Very interesting story. I mean, it's kind of controversial in a way, I guess. The sudden U-turn, it makes me think that there might be something bigger at play here, but couldn't possibly speculate as to what. It just seems a bit weird. I don't think that uh, e-gaming is going anywhere anytime soon. It definitely seems to be quite a fairly rapidly growing oh, sport, massively. if not nationally yeah. in the United Kingdom. Uh, then particularly globally, in uh, you know, countries like uh, in Korea and stuff like that, it's absolutely Germany. huge, you know, million dollar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah some of the best teams come from yeah. Germany and, and, you know, million dollar prize pools and things like that for games like uh, League of Legends and things like Starcraft. Starcraft and yes, stuff I was like going to say, if you, talk, you mentioned Korea. Yeah. I think Starcraft 2 is huge, huge. like yeah. insanely huge. Uh, f***ing Counter-Strike. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Overwatch, like we were talking about the other day. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's it's a big, big business. I don't think it's a big blow to to esports in general. I think that that is still very much growing and it's definitely got the money behind it. It'll delay the fact that it becomes the norm to actually include things like this within games. I mean, who knows? Uh, it won't, may not be long until we see gaming and esports within the Olympic Games. Well, I was about to say, there's probably shits on that idea coming anytime soon. It may well have delayed that, that's for sure, yeah. If the 2026 Commonwealth Games isn't fancying it, then certainly rules that out, and then probably rules out 28 as well. Okay, and so the last article of the day. Scorn releases today on the Xbox Series S and X and Windows PC, today being the 14th of October. So Scorn, the title developed by Ebb Software and published by Kepler Interactive, is listed on Steam as an atmospheric first-person horror adventure game set in a nightmarish universe of odd forms and sombre tapestry. Right up your street, eh, sir? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I had seen some previous footage of this game, uh, maybe roughly a month ago, and it was something that piqued my interest interest. So I thought it would just be a really good title to bring to the table as we are on currently our Halloween specials. <laughs> so this game is currently sat at a mostly positive rating with around 640 reviews currently on Steam. I've had a quick look at the trailer and I've had a look at some sort of previous footage as well as a kind of a two minute gameplay walkthrough of the game where they introduce you to a few systems and sort of set the tone and scene of the game. I also asked you to have a quick look at the video before we started recording the podcast. Why don't you start off with your initial glimpses of the game and what you thought of it? The first thing for me really is that it looks really cool. HR Geiger inspired. It's kind of quite monochrome in a weird way. The splashes of colour it does use are done really effectively and mm, it gives it quite, mm. as it says, a sombre mood, right? The weapons in some cases almost look alive, which is intriguing. I like that, yeah. And in fact, actually, what I would say is it seems to be a pretty consistent theme throughout the game, actually, that everything has this sort of bioorganic feel. The environments that you're in tend to, well, in my mind at least, it looks like you're crawling through the sort of blood vessels or innards of for some sort of giant living organism. Right, I think that that yeah. kind of fits into the theme of the guns. The only thing I can really compare it to is the sort of one of the opening scenes of the Alien movie where they land on the planet and they discover Promethean technology for the first time and they see this sort of giant figure suspended in what looks like a chair of some sort. But all of the surrounding environment, and I think you get a sort of a glimpse of it in Prometheus as well, the sort of follow-up spin-off to uh, the Alien series. And in the chamber where a lot of the Prometheans are being kept, sort of suspended in sleep it has a slightly similar aesthetic in my mind it's darker but it's still there in the video i saw at least a lot of the places you're traversing through and walking through could almost be hollowed out husks of a dead body from an alien race from years ago absolutely yeah you know you're almost like you again pretty much what you said right but you're sort of walking through almost capillaries and veins and things like that and some of the weapons have almost like an embryo on it I guess, kind of like a. Li- I'm thinking sort of Metroid style. You get like yeah. a bubble of enemy with like a sort of looks like there should be an enemy in it that will burst out mm. and then sort of float about at you. But it's just the egg bit, mm. Mm. and so that's intriguing. And the weapons also look cool. Some sort of like impaling kind of like gun that shoots out like a yeah. spike that you can impale. It's almost like a fist. It's just constantly punching fist punching. almost, right? But no, but again, the, the video that I saw didn't really give much of the game away. I didn't see a great deal of enemy variety, although what I did see was creepy as f- which I'm I'm here for. Seems to be some sort of like body horror stuff going on there as well. Very with much some of the so, enemies. yeah really cool stuff i mean i got vibe again mentioning bloodborne once again but it's a great game so i'm gonna do it uh the one reborn 
I'm getting a lot of vibes from that sort of aesthetic. Yeah, like I know just what you body mean. parts sewn together. Kind of just gore. You can see it's looking. a face, but it doesn't quite look right. Things like that. And that that all is really, really appealing to me because I love that sort of aesthetic. But I didn't get a great amount of feel for the gameplay. It's clearly in first person a lot of the time. I didn't see too much third person. But you do see more hands than perhaps you'd see in most first person games. When you look at the hands, there's all sorts of different bits and pieces on them. You don't appear to be human yourself, exactly. I think is what the game is constantly trying to remind you of, is that there's, you know, I would be very surprised if there wasn't some sort of body horror going on in terms of your own body being mutilated or changed as you played or something like that. And maybe that's why the weapons seem alive. Could well be. I mean, so in some of the footage that I've seen, they definitely reference things like symbiosis going on. Nice. And a lot of the times you see him opening doors and things like that. It's not as simple as just pushing a button in most video games. He's always like sticking his arm in something yeah. and swizzling it around. Yeah, so certainly with the embryo gun I was talking about earlier, it yeah. seemed to be almost a part of the arm. So maybe that is, maybe the embryo was going to turn into a gun once it had incubated, right? That, that would be quite a cool concept. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I would like that. And I've always enjoyed that kind of like living gun mechanic. It's definitely not the first game that I've seen the earliest or the most. So the example that sticks out in my head the most is probably the original Prey title on the Xbox 360 and PC. And that was a sort of game where all of your guns were acquired from an alien race and all of them seemed to, well, as I said, they are living organisms that you can use. I think even one of them, the scope, a tentacle would essentially come out and attach itself to your eye for you to zoom in. That sounds cool. Like yeah, and, I, and at yeah. this stage while we're talking about that I'm going to give a shout out to Arborea because that also is living weapons yeah they call them symbiotes don't they or something yep. like that yeah exactly yeah and I like that I like the way that you can change between them and that's something I'll be interested to see I didn't see any sort of weapon swapping animations but I wonder if there'll be a cool sort of the weapon morphs in your hand I'm always a big fan of seeing stuff like that in games. yeah especially if it's done really well yeah, got to appreciate a good weapon swap animation. And I mean, some of the weapons that you see in the trailer, uh, so we've seen quite clearly what looks like a shotgun. Uh, we've seen a giant spiky impaler thing. I'm sure there will be other weapons in the game to see as well, although they do actually make it clear in some other footage saying that it does have guns that shoot. Good to have guns that shoot. Yep. Uh, don't see much point in having guns that don't shoot. Uh, oh, you say isn't... that. I'm sure that, I'm sure that in <laughs> some games there's guns that don't shoot that are very effective, right? Probably. Looking at you, Saints Row 4. <laughs> guns the dubstep. <laughs> I'm sure it's probably in there, right? Yeah, the, oh, the dubstep guns are wicked, yeah. Random fact, in the DLC there's versions of that. There's like three different versions of the gun. They have different tracks. Oh, do they? Nice. Yeah, I like go. that, yeah. But they do make sure to say in the footage that it's actually not a shooter game. So I'm interested to see just how much shooting plays a part, just how much weapon variation they do build in. Also, looking at these environments, it does look a bit samey, yeah. and that isn't a problem. I think that it's definitely going for a tone. If it's consistent in that tone, again, I think that that's absolutely fair. It does draw into question, in my mind at least, just how long this game is going to be. I don't think it's the sort of game that you could drag out for too long without it becoming quite samey and boring and you would need some sort of change so it either suggests to me that we're either not being shown a fairly drastic change in environment that will happen at some point or perhaps at certain points in the game or this is going to be somewhat of a short game well do we know much about ebb studios because if that's a smaller studio then it could well be a sort of a thymesia type deal where it is a shorter game with a very consistent tone that is maybe just a 10-hour experience or something like that. The last thing I'll say about it is the atmosphere seems cool and I'm sure it will appeal to other survival horror fans out there, if it's going to be a survival game even. I mean, that's something that'll be interesting to note. Not going to lie, James, I'm pretty tempted to pick this one up before the next pod and give it a go, seeing as I'm off the game challenge this week. It'd be nice to report back with some news. 
Okay, James, uh, so I think that's pretty much it for the game's news this week. It's time to move on to the... A Games Challenge! Yes, the challenge. Halloween Nuzlocke, baby. I'm very, very curious to hear how you got on with this one, man. But before we start... I think we should probably just give a rundown of the Nuzlocke rules that were used because whilst we did discuss it on last week's pod, it was sort of glossed over a little bit and it has changed. Not fundamentally, but there's slightly. So it's better to clarify this. Things were refined. Things were refined. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So I'll quickly run through these. So only ghost type Pokemon can be used in battle. Other Pokemons for HMs, absolutely fine. The level cap for each section is the gym leader's ace, their best Pokemon, plus five. However, the elite four level cap is the champion's best Pokemon only. Okay, well, I'm such a big dick G that I discarded that rule and just stayed to the level of the gym leader's ace. Excellent, because I did wonder if I'd made that too easy for you, particularly (laughs) particularly with the next rule. You can pick any ghost type starter you like, which would include the legendary Giratina. Usually not permitted on regular Nuzlocke rules. However, due to my inexperience with the Pokemon series, I was allowed that one grace from James. Exactly, which is probably easy mode, but we'll see. You can only use the first ghost type you encounter on each route. Not all routes will have them, so that's fine. I actually discarded Species Claws, which is essentially you can't catch multiple of the same Pokemon. So if you caught a Ghastly, you couldn't then catch another Ghastly on a different route. So I gave Will the option that because ghost Pokemon are limited, and he is not massively into Pokemon, that he could use more than one if he wanted. Uh, No items in battle, but held items and items outside of battle are fine. If a Pokemon faints, it's considered dead. Ironic as we're using ghosts, I know, but Mm -hmm. and can't be used for the rest of the run. A Whiteout in battle equals run over all pokemon must be given a nickname and the other rule that i added right at the end was you may use giratina but you can only use one of them so if you started off with giratina you can't then catch the giratina at the end of the game yes makes sense and with that talk to me how'd you get on did you enjoy it did you hate it am i a dick well, oh, well, yes, 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 you are a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, uh, you know, the podcast's off, we're done. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Seriously, man, you and me, we're fucking done professionally. We'll never work together again. No, so, uh, you know, I might as well begin this tale from the very beginning. This challenge, I figured I was going to have quite a bit of difficulty with. And I think I was right in a lot of ways. I My first instinct was to immediately start to research this, and I spent a considerable amount of time, two days in fact researching how to begin this challenge, what types of Pokemon I should pick, what sort of items I should be equipping them with, what moves I should be teaching them. Absolutely the correct way to go about it, my tired. Yeah, I figured that my inexperience in this game was going to be my biggest downfall, um, as well as potentially becoming distracted while I was playing and then getting complacent and accidentally pressing a move when I didn't want to. Particularly when grinding. Yes, absolutely. So, following all of my sort of research, I watched a full Nuzlocke video, Ghost Only. I'd essentially watched the challenge being replicated by a YouTuber, shout out Silphscope and the team. I also pulled out a Pokemon Platinum wiki page and sort of did a bit of reading through that to understand what the most powerful Pokemon of each gym leader was going to be, as well as some of the more challenging encounters that you're likely to experience, like the rival encounters, as well as uh, Team Galactic. Well, he wasn't called Barry in my playthrough. Oh, I'm sure he wasn't, but I think in the anime it's Barry. So, and and also, you know, there were other challenging battles that I was anticipating, such as the Team Galactic Battles, which uh, is the equivalent of Team Rocket yeah. uh, in the Platinum series. I can only assume the sort of the main 
comically bad baddies keeping cute pokemon in cages and and whatnot very good that you did research there and yeah yeah i I felt like it was going to be really important my previous experience with pokemon is pretty much playing a considerable amount of pokemon yellow and pokemon fire red i believe but never actually completing either making it to the elite four for Defina in fire red but then bailing out uh once i lost a couple times to them because i realized the amount of grinding that i was gonna have to do to actually catch up fire red's kind of as well because the special physical split hadn't been fully actioned at that point one thing i will say about this game is that actually playing it has really made me want to play more pokemon titles that's what we like to hear baby yeah definitely man i'm kind of i'm feeling it at the moment i could definitely i could be on the verge of a little pokemon hype sesh Um, get sword completed and then we can battle well, I was actually speaking to uh, my friend Jem about this the other day, and I was actually considering completing Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu first, so I can take a Gen 1 team into Pokemon Shield, because f*** all them Pokemon Shield Pokemon. Don't do that. Don't waste your time with Let's Go. It's good, right? <laughs> but it doesn't work the same as the others. Your Pokemon level up by catching other Pokemon. Right. It's Pokemon Go, but with an adventure on it. So after my couple days of preparation, I was ready to begin the challenge. I got the emulator installed. I downloaded the universal Pokemon modifier to enable me to edit the starter Pokemon. This was important for the challenge because you aren't presented with an immediate opportunity to have a ghost starter. So I was able to edit the game files a little bit and make sure I did have one. And who did you pick? So for my starter Pokemon, I picked Giratina, the legendary ghost-slash-dragon Pokemon, who I named Patrick Swayze after the film Ghost. And potentially the easy mode button was pressed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, like I said, I feel like I needed all the help I could get in this challenge, considering the sort of the stakes in terms of potentially a Pokemon fainting. You know, a critical hit is double damage, right? So you could think you're safe, and then all of a sudden you get an unlucky critical hit against you, and all of a sudden your prized Pokemon is now out of your entire run sort of thing. So I felt that it was appropriate that I picked something potentially very powerful. Full disclosure, this is is the one rule that I was sort of very much not sure if I should have made or not. (laughs) <laughs> like even more than the plus five level cap this this was the one that i wasn't sure if it was fair well not fair <laughs> if i wasn't sure if it would be too easy yeah 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 a fair concern because i have to say that i absolutely steamrolled as patrick swayze initially you're dead willie I stormed through the game, it made pretty much all of the initial trainer battles as well as gym battles pretty laughably easy. Even actually getting to the point where I did use him initially for everything, obviously there was no choice, but I did actually stop using Patrick Swayze slash Giratina as much uh, down the line just because I was collecting other Pokemon, trying to get their levels up. This was before I had the XP share that enables you to sort of split the XP between the fighting Pokemon and whoever's holding it in terms of whenever you win a battle. Uh, I actually stopped using Giratina for quite a bit, you know, in the hopes of sort of getting a bit more experience with some of the other Pokemon, figuring out what their strengths and weaknesses were a bit more against interactions. You know, I didn't have time to look at the research for every single Pokemon, and I certainly wasn't going to pull up my like sort of internet wikipedia pokedex page every time just to make sure that i wasn't about to get blindsided because i think that that in and itself would have scuppered this challenge it would have just simply taken me too long to actually sort of become familiar with the game in that sense so we were busting through like i said and we briefly mentioned our rival previously there's something up with that kid runs about like a nutcase doesn't he 
got to say, I feel like there's something perhaps undiagnosed going on there. I just want to make sure he's getting the support he needs, you know? Seems very erratic, excitable. I think even his mum calls him out on it, doesn't she? She's like, at the start of the game, she's like, oh, that Barry, he's a fucking nutcase, isn't he? What did you name him? Uh, so he was called Sh- he in in my uh, favor i went for the whole sh- comma he yeah exactly sh- comma he yeah absolutely i needed it because i wanted you know it'd be like sh- he's just about to throw out a badoof or something yeah. like that and what was your name while we're on the subject fuck i <laughs> comma i <laughs> i caught a giratina fuck i threw a pokeball <laughs> i got the all badge fuck i defeated rock <laughs> i got 167 dollars for winning <laughs> Yeah, I'm a I'm a fucking child, so I I kind of I like to name my character stupid shit like that. The fuck I was quite funny actually, because it just turns everyone into a stuttering mess because they're just like fuck I uh here's your Pokeball or fuck I uh added this to your Pokedex. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it kind of adds a little bit of flavour to the uh, the dialogue in the game. I find shit, he's yeah. already left was what his mum said to me when I went looking for my rival in the house. <laughs> As I was storming through, leaving in my wake a pile of smouldering dead f***ing Bidoofs. Nice. Giratina just marching through. Shout out to the Who Defunct Twitter page, by the way. Excellent piece of artwork. I just think the imagery, it was visceral enough. I needed to represent it. I needed to actually yeah. build around that, uh, <laughs> that image that I'd painted in my own head there. If there's one thing that you do tonight, folks, go check out at Who Defunct and go look at this image. It's an absolute accurate representation. The look on Giratina's face. Yeah, <laughs> what was going down in that Priceless. Game. Just an absolute cute Pokemon massacre by this legendary ghostly dragon. So, uh, that wasn't obviously the only Pokemon that was incorporated into this run. Shortly after beating Team Galactic for the first time, I managed to catch myself a Drifloon, who I named Casper. So Drifloon sort of looks like a balloon with a couple strings attached to it, I guess. It's just a balloon, mate. It's a Pokemon that you actually have to capture at nighttime only. So this game features an internal clock where it actually involves a day-night cycle, which is accurately represented and relates to the current day-night cycle in the real world. Per your per your 3DS. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Per your 3DS clock, you know, you can just manually change the clock. However, I was playing it on an emulator and I noticed that it was actually synchronizing with my PC time. So I actually had to go in That's and happy. manually edit my PC time, take it off of automatically update on the internet. And and change it to midnight so I could actually go out and capture the Drifloon. Because you need to do it after it reappears shortly after defeating the team. Ooh, is that a rule break? Well, I mean, honestly, like... It wouldn't... I can't imagine it being a rule break because there's several Pokemon on this list that I wouldn't have been able to get purely based on the fact that it's emulated. So, like, one of the other ones down the line, uh, you needed to interact with something like 35 or 25 people in a place called the Underground, which I understand is some sort of online network feature. And until you've interacted with those, you can't get Spiritomb until you've interacted with those, yeah. and that's just not possible to do on the emulator. Yeah, that was... If you remember one of the... I said in the last episode, there's going to be a few that you just won't get. Yeah. That was one of them. Well, I got it. I ended up sort of, you can go into the code, you can type in like the encounter code essentially, so you just force it, and then you can click on the place where the Spiritomb appears and it just kind of forces it to appear. Interesting. 
Because I was thinking that obviously in an official one you'd be able to get it, so I can unofficially break the rules. It was incorporated into the YouTube Nuzlocke that I that Silphscope ran through, so I assumed it was according to the rule. <laughs> hey, you didn't specify against I it. I didn't. I didn't specify against <laughs> it. Well, that's dodgy as f, mate. Well, that by that rule, I could have just teleported to the fucking Elite Four and like number pumped all my exactly. Pokemon to a hundred. <laughs> it's a morally ambiguous one, that, but I'll let it go. Yeah. So, shortly after collecting my Drifloon, I moved on to collect HM Slave 1. Uh, that's my fondly titled Psyduck, who unfortunately <laughs> died immediately. <laughs> How? Obviously, I know the rules. You're not allowed to use a Pokemon in combat that isn't a ghost type. It was an honest mistake, James. I got drawn into a team battle. In my defense, I didn't use the Psyduck to do anything offensive to the other team members. What did you use it to do, though, if anything? To tackle the Giratina repeatedly during the thing. It was like Psyduck was just an annoying mosquito sat on Giratina's shoulder, kicking its team member in the face while Giratina was trying to get done. That was... That was Psyduck's function. I wasn't allowed to influence and do damage against the enemies, so and I couldn't pass the move either. I couldn't pass the turn. Did you have another Pokemon in your party? No. At that point, all I could have was okay. the Giratina, so it was like I was forced to... If That's I hadn't fine, caught then, yeah. the Psyduck, I assume I'd have just been stuck with Giratina. No, you probably wouldn't have been able to do the battle. If you've only got one Pokemon, they, they may not even fight you. Right, okay. Well, um, yeah. So... Oh, another one. Did he get some experience that he shouldn't have got? Oh, this is, yeah. <laughs> well, we were playing it close to the line here. But the controversy is racking up here. Unless it? it was explicitly in the rules. It did say that we're not allowed to use them in combat. Yep. I didn't use him in combat. Did it draw a hit away from Giratina that would have hit Giratina? Did Psyduck get hit? It must have done if it, it got did. Killed, it right? fucking died. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have to mull on that one, I'm afraid, mate. That's uh, It was out of my it took control. A hit from, it took a hit from Giratina. <laughs> That's that's. Uh, I'll have to think about it. Let's see how the rest of this goes. <laughs> I like how you got round it. That's that's smart. Giratina was taking almost no damage from the. Like I said, this was a pretty much a steamroll to begin with. Giratina was taking almost no damage from the other enemies. That I was confident enough that I could also be. It was like a three on one, except the Giratina was only attacking two of them. Yeah, sort of thing. Making a mental note of that. <laughs> Dodgy ground. So, uh, shortly after getting past Team Malactic, I helped a young girl called Cheryl through the woods. Once I managed to get rid of her on the other side of the woods, I tried to catch Ghastly. So, at that point, the objective of the game to catch these Pokemon is you've got to weaken them, you've got to perhaps apply some sort of status effect like poison, paralyze, or something like that just to increase your catch chances. I mean, you don't have to do this, but it will increase your catch chances. You could potentially use, say, 10 Pokeballs on a Pokemon, or you could just use the one. Or conversely, you could just get extremely lucky and have a full health, completely fine, healthy, ready-to-go Pokemon that you just chuck a Pokeball at and it captures it first time. Typically at the lower levels, that happens way more often. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a proper blue moon if you do that later on in the absolutely. game. Absolutely. But... Shortly after I weakened Ghastly, it did a move that caused it to do damage to itself, and it just f***ing suicided itself and then cursed me on its death, but at that point the curse didn't carry on. And as far as I'm concerned in the Nuzlocke rules, if you miss out a Pokemon on a roof getting it, that's it, right? Yep. You're not allowed to catch another one on that route. Let me tell you, James, that moment shook me to my f***ing core. It dismantled my goddamn run in that one fell suicidal move by Ghastly. So yeah. I f***ing restarted the run again. Yeah. I wasn't having it. At that point, Maximum would have had three Pokemon to work with. I was now down to two, and one's a f***ing balloon. <laughs> Albeit, the other one is a dragon. Hey, the balloon evolves into a blimp. Well, I guess. 
And it's, well, it's my favourite type, man. Flying type is my favourite type. Shout-outs to Drifloon. Special attacker. Lovely. Bit of ominous win. Yeah, oh yeah. They, they all ended up having ominous win by the end. Yeah. At that point, my plan was completely dead in the water. Being unfamiliar with Pokemon, I had no idea whether it was possible to mitigate from this. So I just started again. And eventually, after an entire session of playing again, I was able to finally get back to where I was. Because you reset, I will allow that Psyduck mishap to slide. Oh, yeah, I think you'd have to. I suppose that runs sort of null and void at that point, sort of exactly. thing, yeah. yeah. Unless you did it again in the second run. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just this replicated the exact same mistake. At one point, I came so close to losing Patrick Swayze. So this was a grinding session. As you yeah. say, complacency happens, especially when you're on an emulator, you tend to lean on the fast-forward key a little bit too much and mash through the buttons. He had a... F- sliver of health at one point and I felt my heart skip a beat because you know this was very shortly after actually having to reset the run anyway yeah losing it to a grind Patrick Swayze was kind of my rock at that point absolutely so you know so important to me to keep him uh that was a very scary moment but thankfully he managed to pull through nice Shortly after that scare, we came to another scare where I actually managed to acquire a Rotom Pokemon, which I call Boo. And I managed to find Tim with inside the creepy old Chateau after beating the third gym leader. And I gotta say, man, like, uh, you know, just kind of tying into the Halloween spooky theme, you did a real good job picking Pokemon Platinum out of this because there is a lot of spooky themes in it. I was noticing there's the ghostly Chateau, there is the creepy tower where all the Pokemon spirits go and you're able to get another Pokemon that I'll be talking about in a little bit. Also, getting the spiritum in the first place he comes out of a little hole in the ground i think it's a collapsed tower of some description if from memory or it's like a, a well or that sort of deal yeah yeah so yeah there's there's a hell of a lot of creepy things in here even things like the uh you know the gym leader with fantina. the skulls and the torches fantina absolutely yeah. uh in the ghost gym and the fact that uh you know what i was just about to come on to was there was the creepy tv inside the old chateau which you approach and then classic yeah. horror movie the ghost comes out of the tv yeah, yeah. uh Allah the ring and uh and you end up fighting it and being able to capture it i thought you like that shit, yeah I did, yeah. No, I thought that that was really nice, actually. The sort of the Lavender Town theme and the kind of the creepiness around that, especially with the famous crispy... Uh, crispy, crispy especially pasta. with the famous, <laughs> Especially with the famous creepypasta around sort of kids going mad after hearing the, uh, the song and sort yeah. of having fits and seizures and things like that due to a certain frequency yeah. that supposedly the original Lavender Town theme was based against. So it had a kind of a creepy aura around the game if you were plugged into that creepy bastard community. And it feels like this one, they kind of lent into that a little bit, which was actually quite nice to see. No, that did come into my thinking when I picked the game, I've got to say. I, I, I don't want to go on record and say it's the creepiest one, but it's certainly amongst them. So for the, for the Halloween special, it felt appropriate. Not only the ghost type Nuzlocke, but the actual game itself is very sort yeah. of Halloween themed, I would say. So, yeah, no good job there. Good spot. I suppose at this point, just because I briefly mentioned the lavender theme before, i got to say that the music in this game is absolutely top notch. It's something that I never really took a huge amount of time to listen to in Pokemon Sword and Shield, but I massively appreciated in Pokemon Yellow when I did play that and in Pokemon Fire Red. Yeah. Uh, I love the theme that plays when you jump on your bike. I love the Orberg theme theme they've got some absolute great tracks in there some of them are really funky some of them are really slow and ploddy and kind of nice it's 
yeah, really, really good sound design. Getting back to the storyline. So after the sad loss of Psyduck, or HM Slave 1, as I had fondly referred to him during my first run on this game, I decided that it was actually, in fact, time that I picked up my second HM Slave, Ooh. who this time was a Bidoof. Which quite in contrast, actually, after leaving so many of them by the wayside, smoking, smouldering and bleeding, I finally decided to get one on team, you know? Perhaps that was an element of guilt. What's the name of the Bidoof evolution? Uh, Bibarel. Bibarel. That thing, its eyes look like it has seen some shit. That is what the Bidoof turns into after it realises I massacred all of its family. Yeah. <laughs> it just, like, it ages, like, f***ing ten years, but its eyes just stay wide, yeah. fixated and open. <laughs> it looks even worse in the remakes, uh, Diamond and Pearl, because like, the eyes look really flat. God, like a deer in headlights. Like really <laughs> sort of stares at you. Yeah, it's really odd. Also an excellent choice for an HM slave, because if you were able to evolve it into a Bibarel, it can then learn Surf as well. Oh, I didn't know that. No, so I was currently just using it for Cut and Boulder Smash. Well, yeah, because you wouldn't have been able to evolve it, right? Yeah. Although I guess I guess you could have used the XP share. If, yeah, that would have worked, but... yeah. Uh, so next up in my run was to head to the Team Galactic building, uh, where again, I had a very near miss with my Ghastly at that point, which I had managed to recollect on my sort of second run through yeah. of the game. Again, another sort of really tight butthole moment there. Tight butthole, dude. Was that to um, Commander Jupiter by any chance? Yes, yes, it was that one. Yeah, yeah that Perugly is dangerous though, man, because it's bulky, it's quick, your ghost moves won't have worked on it because it's a normal type, and I think it's got Pursuit. It got an early crit on me as well, which yeah. was very, very concerning. Just I, I hadn't actually seen my health bar get that wrecked in one hit yeah. before yet. So there was a, like a scary moment where I saw it get to the halfway point. I was like, is this death? Am I just done? And at that point, again, I was sort of not hugely further on from my last restart, but I really didn't want to have to restart a second time through again that early on. Anyway, so after beating Team Galactic and clearing the building, I managed to get myself a bike from the shop and a girl gave me an egg. That girl being Cynthia, the champion. <laughs> oh, Cynthia. All oh, right, yes. Yeah, a girl gave girl. me an egg. Dude, I played this game at like double speed for the most part. I didn't have time to read about who Cynthia is. That's fair, yeah. <laughs> So shortly after getting given the egg, obviously understanding the rules of this game, I was unable to hatch the egg or use the egg, so I immediately tried to just basically pitch it into the ground. But the game told me that you can't release the egg. Yeah, it's you like, can't release really an egg, yeah. Why not? Put it, leave it on the ground. You're released. You're free. You can't just launch it. <laughs> Absolutely. Just Well, I don't want to launch it. Just stick it in the bin. I'm just going to egg this gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, Fancita. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did, in the end, manage to get rid of the egg. I left it with someone's PC. It was still yeah. called at the time. I assume, is it is Bill in this game, or is Bill still from just Red and Blue? I and don't Yellow recall then? it, but I, can't I don't think it's Bill, no. Different region. So... I was doing well at that point. I was really happy with the progress I made. Right before the Heart Home Gym, I managed to get Ghostface Killer. The almighty GFK, the <laughs> I think at this point I failed to mention that was actually my ghastly name. Nice. I finally managed to get him to evolve into a Haunter right before. Fantastic timing right before Fantina. Excellent. The Fantina fight was the hardest fight that I've come across so far in the game. Yeah. 100%. It was a very tough fight. Ghost being super effective against Ghost. Yeah, that I like I knew that was gonna suck. Yeah. I was preparing myself for this fight. Mate, I thought I'd done it, but not before I lost my fing Giratina. Holy shit. 
The goddamn ace of the gym kills my Giratina. Well, Miss Magius kills your Giratina. Miss Magius killed the Giratina. Damn. And you know what? This is all my bad. This was one of those complacent moments. I left it in thinking, it can take one more hit. It couldn't take one more hit, buddy. That was Miss it. Miss Magius is quick as well, man. This, oof. That's brutal, though, man. Yeah, you lose your starter. So I lost my f***ing Giratina to Fantina. No good. Did you reset? Do you know what, James? I didn't. I f***ing sucked it up because I hadn't lost hope at that point. The Silphscope Nuzlocke does not use Giratina. So I assumed at that point I may still be okay. I was thinking this is probably fine. If that run didn't encounter it and I'm basically following this run to the T, I'm picking up all the same items and things like that, this will be fine. So I carried on playing. Just to sort of add insult to injury, as I was getting rid of my Giratina, which I released, I didn't stick in a box, I also forgot that it was holding its quick claw. <laughs> so Oh, I was no. lost that item as I released it. There's only one of those in the game in there. Yeah, yeah, that oh, was fuck. it. It was gone. Gone. I, You know, I, I did look in vain in my inventory, hoping, oh, maybe it won't be so cruel. Maybe it'll just return anything no. that it was hot. No, that is gone. Not terrible. Not the worst it could have been. It wasn't like it was the spooky plate or the dread plate or something that was actually really boosting my ghost moves or my dark moves, you know, yeah. the Drifloon had. That's fucking brutal there, man. So who did this leave you with? Does this mean you just had Haunter and Drifloon then? So at that point, I had Drifloon, Haunter, and Roten. And your Drifloon hadn't evolved into a Driftblim at this point? No. Ah. Still level 27. Yeah, I would have thought by that sort of level it might have evolved. Yeah, no, no luck there either. Also, just to really keep my blood pressure nice and high, I came extremely close to losing again to my rival he straight away after but i got extremely lucky with loads of rosaria misses so his pokemon just kind of consistently missed like three moves in a row and i came so f***ing close to losing Ghostface. at that point if i'd have lost that very shortly after losing my giratina i reckon that would have been run over i think i'd have been done there at that point that, that would have been a tough one yeah 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 so i made it all the way through to the next town and the bike area as well nice good trainings there Yep, absolutely. Uh, ended up getting all my Pokemon up. Also, I managed to catch Duskull in the Lost Tower after clearing out the fog using that defog HM that we talked about yeah. previously. You have to go to some like lost tomb somewhere, yeah, yeah. find it in there after following a stair puzzle, and then you go back and are able to clear out the fog. And what did you name your new ones? Ah, so uh, I called Spiritomb Hamlet, <laughs> because, <laughs> because why not? A famous yeah. ghost. I called my Duskull Abraham. Uh, after the headless ghost uh, from Sleepy Hollow. Nice. So I then finally arrived at Veilstone, at which point I proceeded to get my absolutely pushed in by f***ing Lucario against Maylene, the gym leader. And that's where the run ended, James. Lucario f***ed me then and there. Like, Casper, Ghostface, Boo, Hamlet, Abraham, all of them taken down by Lucario eventually. I think I managed to take out the first really? two other Pokemon by the gym leader. What but that absolutely screwed me. Because fighting doesn't affect ghosts. Must have been using steel moves. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, but it was it was f***ing my Pokemon. Okay. My uh, It might be worth mentioning that um, my highest Pokemon at that point was level 29. So it is, it's, it is below the level cap, and I think that essentially what happened there is I got my ass kicked, but that was a lot down to the fact that I just realised at that point there was no way of 
me having a possibility of completing this challenge. Oh. I'd come so close to the time and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go out fighting. But sadly, that's where my adventure ended. Uh, so I really wasn't able to get past Lucario. I think that the issues that I had in there was that I perhaps spent a little bit too much time preparing. But I think the main thing that ruined me was genuinely, and I think this is the kind of the main complaint I have with the Pokemon games, is I massively underestimated the amount of grinding that I would need to do to get my Pokemon leveled up ready for the gym leaders. Yeah. Considering that I wasn't taking my time getting through these areas, because you can often get into a lot of unpredictable yeah. battles that you're not sure about, I didn't want to take that risk. So I was essentially in between the gyms, spending a lot of the time fighting wild Pokemon outside of the essential trainers that you need to fight on your route to the next town. Yeah. So I was leveling up slow, despite I had the fast forward button on the emulator. And I think that that really made a difference to the fact that I wasn't able to complete this game in time. And that's kind of my only really kind of negative thing that I've got to say about this game is it's just the repetitiveness and the slowness of the game. And I know that, you know, I am very conscious these titles are now years and years and years out of date. But how kids had the patience to redo those battle scenes over and over again every time your Pokemon loading in, the length of time it takes for you to start an encounter, to be able to get to the point where you can even do your first move in the battle, it's probably a solid five seconds or more, which doesn't sound like a long time, but considering that before certain gym battles, and if you're trying to meet a level requirement, you may have to do potentially 20 of these things. That's a lot. Yeah. I much prefer the aesthetic of Pokemon Platinum to Pokemon Sword and Shield. Uh, I think that you could argue that there's some nostalgia in there, but, you know, as I mentioned previously, I'm not a huge Pokemon yeah. fan, and I don't have much of a nostalgia factor for them. I just think that genuinely the chibi sort of aesthetic works better with these games. I guess on balance, not a great performance. Uh, you know, I'll take my lumps in terms of where I got to in the game. But uh, that said, I did overall enjoy myself. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I got a lot of positive things to say about this game. The art style, the music. One thing I didn't really mention so much is the Pokemon designs. Um, I'm often accused of saying that, you know, everything past the 151 is pretty meh. And you're not wrong. <laughs> there were a lot of Pokemon. I mean, I'm, I'm far from saying that the majority of Pokemon that I saw in this title were awesome but I did see a lot of cool ones that I liked I think there was one that looks like the Easter Island statues that I really particularly nose liked. pass nose pass I, I don't know why I yeah. just really vibe with nose pass did you like Duskull as well because Duskull I think looks fucking cool Duskull is cool it yeah. evolves into a bit of a gimp but I like Duskull. He looks like a kind yeah. of uh, the Scream Mask guy a little bit doesn't yeah. he yeah and if you actually look through it it's just a Cyclops underneath it's just one red eye is it really? Okay. Yeah. And when it evolves into Dusclops, Cyclops, right? Right. Makes sense, of course. But I am sorry that you ultimately weren't able to complete this, man. And I do feel a little bad that you actually didn't get... I don't want to say didn't get that far because I know the grind's brutal. But yeah, I thought I, I, for some, I thought you'd be losing to Cynthia, the champion. I thought that would be where you might... I did not think Lucario would be where you fell down either. Like I said, I think that that was perhaps more just due to like, it was like a forced loss in a way. I know I didn't have the time to complete it. I thought I'd go out swinging. So I decided to take on the gym leader, like just make sure I got to Veilstone and then was able to take on the gym leader. I had no expectations of winning that. And if I would have had time, I would have grinded more, perhaps unlocked moves that would have been much more useful to me and been able to take them on. I think the fact that I lost there was much less of an indication of how hard the run would have been if I had more time and more of a just kind of a last attempt, desperate sort of, can I get one more badge? Maybe. Probably not. 
<laughs> There's definitely nothing to be sorry about though, man. I had a great time playing this and uh, was just a little bit disappointed that I didn't get to see more of the game before the week was out. I can see myself returning to this at some point. I don't know whether I will be picking up with my ghost types. I think that I might treat myself to maybe doing more than one kind of type for my Pokemon next time, just so I get to experience a little bit more of the actual Pokemon on offer. So James, unfortunately, I wasn't able to complete the challenge. Okay James, so after this crushing defeat, I think it's time that I announce to you what your challenge is for the coming week. Please do, I'm looking forward to hopefully redeeming myself after my pathetic performance in the last challenge. <laughs> well, let's hope you do. Still not quite over it. Still <laughs> no, over still, it. still recuperating after the gutting defeat. I'm glad that I now have home court advantage again, sort of. It's back in your court now. Yeah, it's back on where it should be. This week, James, I want you to play and complete Condemned Criminal Origins. So what does that mean to you, James? Are you familiar with this title? Absolutely nothing about this game. You know nothing about it, right? <laughs> no, I I've, I've, I've won't even lie, I've not even heard of it. Very good. I'm very pleased to hear that. It's nice that I get to offer you a game that you are completely unfamiliar with. Couldn't even tell you what type of game it is other than the fact that it's Halloween. I'm assuming it's a horror game. We are just in luck, James. I'm just about to tell you what type of game it is. <laughs> Condemned Criminal Origins is a survival horror game. Surprise, surprise, nice. given my history and uh, love of survival horror games. It's produced by Monolith Studios and Ooh, published okay. by Sega for the Xbox 360 and later for the PC. Like Monolith, that's good. It was released in North America on November 15th, 2005. In Europe, a bit later, on December the 2nd, 2005, and in Japan on August 31st, 2006. So James, just to give you a little bit of background information about Condemned, uh, the game opens as you investigate a grisly murder scene set up by a serial killer known as the Matchmaker. Soon after you arrive at the scene, strange paranormal things begin to happen, and you suddenly find yourself framed for the murder of two fellow police officers. Your only option is to track down the real killer and clear your name. That sounds really cool, actually. Fair. And I am really looking forward to hearing how you get on with it. And I'm really looking forward to playing it, actually. You've sold it quite nicely, though. I do love a detective sort of style. I've never been huge into survival horrors, not for a lack of interest, but just I just never played them. But playing Resi 4 a few weeks ago, and um, when you set me that challenge, uh, it opened my eyes a bit towards the survival horror stuff. So very intrigued by this. It sounds like it could be right up my street. Are there any additional rules I need to be aware of? Or is it literally just complete the game? I would like you to, if it is possible, complete this game on normal difficulty. That's the only... I, I, you know, I wouldn't assume that you would stick it on easy difficulty, but I'm, I'm not even sure that there is a difficulty setting. But uh, I think as a general rule of thumb for these challenges, we'll agree on normal difficulty, unless it's pre-agreed that they're actually kind of easy and actually it's better to play it on hard. But yeah, so that's it, man. No stipulations, no rules. Okay, James, well, good luck with your challenge this week. I think it's about time that we pulled the show to a close. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcasts on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. And you can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hudafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hudafunk. And you can find me on Twitter at MrBames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash MrBames underscore TPM.
a special thank you once again to all of our listeners. Thanks to James for joining me for another week. I'll see you next week. Until next time, goodbye. Bye-bye.